0: Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast where we hear from mothers who are creators and artists, sharing their joys and issues around trying to be a mother and continue to make art. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter and mother of two boys from regional South Australia. I have a passion for mental wellness and a background in early childhood education. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Melissa Condo-Francis, Melissa is a singer, songwriter, collaborator, producer and a performing arts teacher from Portland, Victoria and a mum of three. Describing her genres as wide ranging as folk, electronica, jazz and alt pop, Melissa has performed as a duo and a soloist under the guise of sleuth. She's done international collaborations and released four albums as an independent artist, as well as producing and performing in an operetta. On the episode, she talks about the way music has bonded their family, how she deals with criticism and finding your people, and the challenges of writing music with your significant other. This episode contains discussions around mental health issues, loss of a parent and grief. Melissa, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) So um, for those who aren't familiar with your music and what you do, can you give us a rundown um, about the style of music you create um, and all that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, so I perform and write under the artist name of Sleuth, um, which is kind of a bit of a parody happening back to my days in the police force actually. Um, But I... My music style would be eclectic, really. I've done everything from um, sort of folk music to electronica to hard style, um, drum and bass. Um, what else would I have done? Oh, I've, done, I've got a lot of jazz elements to quite a bit of my music uh, as well and probably the more... Um, Prolific music, or the stuff that's been out there a little bit more um, than the other stuff, than the back catalogue uh, would be alt pop. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's really really. Um, I have actually been openly criticised for not picking a particular genre to stick with, but I actually like it. I do a lot of international collabs with um, different artists, and they're from all sorts of different genres, which is great. So it uh, keeps it interesting, and it really um, pushes my creativity I think to be able to write to different styles.
0: Mm. Keep yeah. keeping it keeping it really interesting. Yeah. How'd you first get into music?
1: Uh, I've, I can't remember a time when I haven't been a musician. I, I learnt piano from age three, so sort of earliest memories. Um piano from age three till about uh, I did formal lessons till I was about fifteen, sixteen years old. Um And, yeah, I just stuck with that really and and a lot of music theory. Um, Had a a fair amount of personal family stuff go on for about a decade after that, um, which meant that I was sort of not playing music or writing. Um, And I never really in that decade pushed myself to do anything musically and then just found myself in a sphere, I guess, after – after meeting my husband, where I could pick it up again, uh, which was great. So from about age 26 onwards, um, just refostered that that love of music again um, and threw myself into it, guns blazing. Wrote four albums, um, did a couple of reasonably reasonably local, regional tours. Um, and yeah, i was I was probably a bit old, really, to be, um, and I say that with a big smile on my face, because um, I don't believe in age defining how creative you can be. But yeah, I was probably a little bit too old to be marketed um, that successfully to the current pop scene, but that's okay. Um, it doesn't it certainly didn't stop me doing what I was doing. and I, I guess I was very fortunate that I could write music as a hobby, um, which allowed me to be a lot more authentic with what I was writing rather than try and um, write to a contract um, to feel obligated to push out the music. I just sort of got on a creative wave, wrote it as long as the wave lasted and fortunately um, the the wave sort of has subsided a little bit about probably the start of 2021. Um, I stopped, I, I, I I haven't actually released anything of my own. Um, since then, I've I've released collaborations with other artists, but I haven't um, I haven't written anything since Lux was finished. That was my fourth album. So, just having a bit of a rest at the moment and dealing with COVID and dealing with other other scenes <laughs> in my life at the moment that are uh, taking a little bit more of a forefront. I have three children. I had three under four, which was insane. Um, so they're currently aged 10, 9 and 6. Um, so my daughter is 10 and my two sons are nearly 9 and 6 and a half, And they are in, yeah, grade 4, 3 and 1. So they're, um, especially with remote learning in Victoria because of lockdowns, it's pretty mentally consuming to try and get them through a school day at home Um, yeah they do amazingly I think we I was fortunate enough to be blessed with a a very large extended um, in-law family and so they've had a lot of one-on-one time they've had a lot of reading they've had a lot of um, the early groundwork done so they're actually I think probably a dream realistically (laughs) to speak up to homeschool but uh, it doesn't feel like that a lot but yeah I think they're they're amazing
0: yeah so where did the having your children fit in with doing your music
1: I think that probably the scene for me to be reviving my my musical um, abilities and interest uh, really happened when I met my husband Um, we've been married for 13 and a half years um, and that love of music has never really left me, but I sort of didn't have any um, space to really inject any, any deliberate effort into it or any sort of passion. Um, Obviously a piano is not that easy to transport to various different rental properties and that sort of thing. So my, my family piano stayed with my dad um, and I've only just last year got, got the piano. Um, But I've, been playing on synths and everything since my husband actually gifted me one. Um, My kids, I had uh, sort of, I started having children about two and a half years into being married. Um, So my husband and I were writing mainly folk music together um, and just playing very sort of small, intimate restaurant and bar gigs in the local music scene. Which, incidentally, I found super hard to get into. Um, it, uh, there's a lot of uh, ego, I think, involved in, um, yeah, particularly the regional music scenes in Victoria. I don't know if it's like that in the rest of the country, but um, yeah, the the covers scene is alive and well. And certainly, if you if you play covers, you can get gigs just about anywhere um, if you're any good. But to play original music, it's really, really hard to garner a local following. Um, so that that probably was a factor, I think, in um, in it just being sort of more smaller, intimate stuff at first. Um, and then I had my children, wrote music at home, around doing all of that. But I was lucky that I never really needed to have it as a career. Um, so I've always had a, a, a wage from another sort of job alongside being a musician Um, but I think I was fortunate as well that uh, when I did invest money into the music I was able to do it under a performing arts business um, which was one of my side jobs so a lot of my expenses were tax deductible um, and I had a very clever accountant that um, knew how to make it work for me so I was able and my husband was amazingly supportive as well, which was which was really nice. I don't think many um musicians have that level of acceptance of spending thousands of dollars on, on musical equipment so that you can record an album which of course no one's paying you to record either. So then to produce CDs then costs thousands of dollars more and then you're really just taking a, a punt on whether or not there'll be enough often local support, to buy those albums just to recover your costs. So I think I've been quite lucky um, that, one, I had the support from him um, and then secondly, I was lucky enough to have won a couple of competitions which funded the subsequent album that I was about to release. So I released um, my my debut album, Umbra Anima, which was very favorably received which blew my mind um i got a five-star review from a a geelong music publication um an independent music magazine which just I, i did not expect that at all i remember getting the email with the review and just bawling my eyes out in the kitchen because it had been thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of work unpaid um nearly like oftentimes causing a lot of marital tension because of the amount of focus and just sheer ignorance that I had of whatever else was going on in my family um, scene because I'm pretty singularly focused like that. Um, I often shut things out. So I've had an amazing amount of support to allow me to do that for periods of time. So those albums um, were partially funded by me winning competitions, uh, which was nice, Uh, and then also the sales of... um, CDs, which I don't recommend doing either. Like I, I I must admit I have chosen a medium to produce albums which is not really that financially viable, but I'm lucky that at least it's paid for itself. So as far as a hobby goes, it's not costing me any more money, which is nice. <laughs> um, that sort of takes a bit of a, a strain off. But, yeah, it, it certainly is a, a privilege that not many, <clears throat> not many musicians – get to, get to enjoy, I think.
0: Are your children into music as well? They yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They don't have a choice, really. <laughs> um, so, um, I had, um, As I said, I had music lessons from age three. Um, My kids have been learning piano from, oh, how old were they? I think I started them at age six or seven um, on piano. So they all play piano and they all sight-read music. Um, They all play a little bit of drums. My son, Austin, plays guitar and Zach is learning, although he's a bit little. Um, Zara plays ukulele. They write songs. Um, My daughter actually wrote a couple of songs with a girlfriend, um, which is super cute. I think that she was eight at the time and her friend was nine Um, and they put it on YouTube. So because, of course, they're watching mum do these music videos at home and and things like that Um, because obviously I don't have a marketing budget to spend thousands of dollars on music videos. So I just do the home job uh, variety. Um, I had a rude wake-up call the other day actually on a complete side tangent. I put one of my – we've just recently got a pretty nice TV at at our house. Um, It was my husband's tax return present to himself. Um, And I put one of my YouTube clips up on the TV and on a phone or a small laptop screen, you can't see various errors. And then you put it on a massive 76-inch television (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you can see all these little blotches on the screen where I haven't edited properly, and all this sort of thing. I'm like, oh my god, that's just um, am- amateur hour. So yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting, but I mean, unfortunately, I don't have to I don't have to answer to anyone about my my home job music videos, which is nice. <laughs> um, but yes, in answer to your question, getting back on topic, um, my kids are all very musical, um, and it's a great way of bonding. I think. Um, particularly with my husband and the boys um, they play drums and they also play like basic guitar so they we all swap over instruments one of our uh, we had a we built a music studio during the first big lockdown in Victoria um, in the downstairs part of our house and so we have a bass rig a drum kit an electric guitar rig, a couple of my synths, the piano, the interface for recording and a big um, PA system down there as well. And so we'll have family band time a lot of the time down there and the boys will – they love it. It's its actually really good bonding for them with um, with their dad. And I don't think they would have been um, able to do it quite so early if it wasn't for the piano lessons. Um, my, at, the, at the beginning, my husband was thought I was crazy for insisting that they do theoretical piano lessons from a young age because it was it's quite expensive and so and he just didn't see the value in it initially and now, a few years in when they're playing sight reading music themselves and learning blues riffs um, with their left hand and being able to have show independence on the piano between their hands and play some really cool little little jams, which he can then put bass or guitar or drums to. Um it's yeah, it's quite a good bonding thing for him. Mm. Um, and for them as well.
0: Oh yeah. Do you find then that because they've learnt piano, because they know the basic skills, they can transfer that then into the other instruments, being like yeah. the for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um especially with um with the drums. Uh, for Austin, um, he he's quite gifted at drums. He's only eight, eight years old, nearly nine, and he um he can play with a lot of independence between his feet and his hands, um, which means that he can play quite complex drum beats um, compared to your basic sort of four on the floor rock um, ACDC type sort of stuff. Which is not criticizing it. It's fundamental part of Australian music Um, and there's a reason why it's so successful and accessible as well It's because it's just so simple. There's a lot of space in the music for everybody to ramp up the vibe when they listen to it but he can actually um, do quite a lot of creative fills um, and different, I'm not a drummer so I don't know the correct word but like different textures with different different types of drums um, because of it uh, because of that independence and that really um, transcends from from playing piano, um especially blues piano. Um he's quite lucky. I wish I'd learnt Blues piano rather than um just classical, but that's all right. I can teach myself now. I've been teaching myself drums, which is pretty exciting as well. <laughs> I'm so bad at it. It's great. <laughs> it's very therapeutic though. <laughs> I heard
0: that the other day, actually. I did some interviews with some dads for like the Father's Day special Mm. and one of the dads was like, yeah, drums is very therapeutic.
1: Yeah, yeah. So is drinking wine as well. That's the other thing I've been doing. (laughs) Well, I had a conversation
0: about that too. Yeah,
1: I think all of Australia is – actually, that that, um, could be the way to get our economy back up and running. Apparently we had all this – wine that china wasn't buying a while ago and i'm sure that i'm sure it's getting put to very good use right now (laughs) we won't waste it that's for sure
0: Do the kids come along to gigs, or, or some of the kids, I suppose, with their ages? Of um, have some, seen
1: of them, life? some of them have. Yeah, I've done. Like I said, I've I've done quite a, a lot of different types of gigs. So, I put together um, a few years ago an operetta, um, or operetta, actually. I think is how you say it. Um, called um. I, there was two events. I did one in Hamilton and one in um, Portland, and one was called Baroque on the Hill, and um, Baroque by the Bay. Um, and that was in conjunction with Hamilton and Alexandra College, so I I put together a performance with a student ensemble um, where a couple of their most gifted string students um, were able to join in. Um, I obviously had the, the core of the ensemble um, with the professional musicians, which um, were the teaching staff at Hamilton and Alexandra College, um, and I had a a singing student of mine, Madeline Meister, uh, performed the soprano to Starbuck Marder and I performed the alto part. And so that was the the settings for those two performances were in churches, um, one in Hamilton, one in Portland. And so the kids were able to come to that, which was really quite special for me because obviously there's a certain amount of discipline and rigour that is involved in performing a 45-minute opera um, that's like, I, I just rehearsed, I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with most of my projects anyway, musically, but there was, I think the kids knew every single note of the opera by the time, by the time I actually performed it. Um, they had, had heard it being rehearsed every hour of every waking minute of every day. Um, so yeah, they, it was good for them to see that performance get put together. Um, And then there's been a couple of other performances that they've been at. Most of them, though, are in pubs and wine bars and things like that, so it's not really suitable for the kids um, to attend. And I think it's certainly because we're not famous enough to have our own roadies to do all (laughs) the gigs set up for us, Um, gigs where we're having to stuff the car with all the PA gear and and transport it. means that there's no room for children in the car so those gigs I've been very fortunate to have my in-laws um, at but my kids have certainly seen me on bigger stages like um, the Foreshore New Year's Eve and 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 that sort of thing um, where I've had a, a proper tech crew and and that sort of thing
0: mm. yeah yeah well, that's good and they I've talked to some parents who's children do the do this when yeah. mum and dad sing or stop uh, it
1: yeah. your
0: kids wouldn't be like that no no <laughs> yeah. and
1: I think um it's actually been it's, it's taken a long time for my daughter to decide that my music is actually okay um but there was a really special moment that I had when my kids were doing swimming lessons at the local YMCA and this is long time ago right before the release of Ombra Anima which is my debut album but I'd been obsessively working on the nine songs on that album and um, so the kids had heard it all over the house they'd had it in the car when I was dropping them off to school so that I could get an idea of what it sounded like on different speakers and all sorts of things and they were very sick of it and they were at um, the YMCA with school swimming lessons and I had turned up with my laptop to sit on the side of the pool and do the, the good mum thing and watch my kids or pretend to watch my kids have swim lessons. And so I had my headphones in and I had my laptop there and I was listening to music and rehashing different bars and that sort of thing to just see what, what sort of mixing I'd need to adjust on it. Not an optimal mixing environment, I know, but I was it was my first album. Give me a break. Um, so, and. I had heard. I heard over like it was so. It's such a surreal moment. My kids were in the pool behind me. Um, I was sitting this poolside, and then all of a sudden, on the PA system of the YMCA, came blaring my song in the dark. And I didn't realize at first. I was because sort of, I had headphones in, and that was the song I was working on. I was like, oh. "What's going on here?" Like. And I took my headphones out and I looked over and the local water aerobics class had chosen that song because they obviously knew I was there to <laughs> do their water aerobics class too. And so they just blared it at the top of their at, of their system through the YMCA. And my kids, Zara in particular, was sitting in the pool doing her lesson and she's gone, that's my mum's song. And so I hear this. This big, um, like all the water aerobics ladies started clapping me from the other side of the pool and then my daughter's gone, that's my mum's music. I like, so I think she suddenly realised that it wasn't such an uncool thing to be, yeah. um, like, to write music and to actually have people listen to it. I think she finally realised that it was actually something that people enjoyed and that they, they appreciated, even if she didn't. Um, but, yeah, they often sing my stuff, which is nice. Oh,
0: that's and for her her to to also realise that other people value what you're doing.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that was the big that was the big moment. But it was it was quite a special moment for me because I I not only was it really quite surprising and confusing for me to have it not playing in my headphones and playing beside me, um, yeah, to have just audiences from all like in so many different ways in that moment, it was really nice. Mm. Quite a weird experience, but yeah, <laughs> <absolutely>. well,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome story. Yeah, I, yeah. I talked to all my guests about mum guilt, and I put it in. Air quote mm-hmm. what how do you feel about mum guilt
1: I think it's very alive and well and prevalent um, and I I guess I just had to decide that I didn't care about it um, I have have actually had a lot of flack um, over the years for um, I think I got I got told at one point that I was handballing my children to their dad Um and oh, yeah, so there was that comment. Um, I think I've actually been pretty heavily criticised by other local musos as being ruthless and being um, over competitive and, and quite a lot of other things because it seems like um, a lot of people. Um, I guess that's not just a mum thing. That's also a an Australian thing. I think we we dislike anybody that plays it big. Um, we we have to play small um, because otherwise we step on too many people's toes. Um, and for me to sort of and and that really it really grated with me, particularly that one. I think there was this idea that I was um, I was too old, or I was too too aggressive, or I was too um, ultra focused, and I needed to be sort of more. Um, I needed to be more flexible on some things, which I actually didn't think I needed to be more flexible on because they were my standards. Um, so I've had a lot of um, flack from that um, along the way. Uh, but I, as far as with parenting guilt and mum guilt. I think I've been amazingly lucky in that my husband not only understands music, so he had he was a bit of a rock star before I met him um so he he'd been in bands for years um he plays everything so he plays drums, bass guitar, sings, writes music, and he reckons he can't play piano, but he can mm-hmm. um he he just doesn't play it as well as me, and so he considers that an abject failure because he's super competitive um but yeah he um I'm lucky that the two of us both being musicians um, value that highly so he could see the value in what I was doing um, and I think I was kind of lucky that I could lord it over him a little bit in the beginning because he, he had his rock star years when I first met him and so that consisted of band practice two or three times a week for hours, like come home at two in the morning. Um, it was a bit of a boys' club. Um they're great guys, but it was very much I was the the good wife that that just sort of let played second fiddle really to it. Um, and I was pretty supportive like i was I was very enthusiastic about his music, um, pushed his but pushed him to really push himself with it. Uh, was very supportive most of the time of band prac. Um, because I had my own obsessions at the time. I was right into fitness and running and, and everything. So I just, instead of playing music, I threw myself into that. Then we had babies and, of course, I was, the only way that I could really sort of have any time was with him musically was to write softer, more folky sort of stuff that was just the two of us. So we, he... He was very present with all of that, although we we nearly ended up divorced a few times with writing music because he's got very different um, writing style to me. He's incredibly, it's a a good thing that we have those differences, but it took us probably about 10 years to work through it. Um, He is very critical of everything that he does um, to the point where he'll refine and refine and refine. Whereas he can play a couple of notes to me, and I just see endless possibilities, and I roll with with my creative vision on it, um, and then he'll stop and start and go back and change, and it just pulls the rug for me. It feels like it pulls the rug out from under my feet when when writing, but it's because he he doesn't have the same way of of visualizing, um, and it was incredibly deflating to me over and over and over again It was my fault because I didn't what well, was I don't know that it was anyone's fault it was just um a mismatch in how we wrote music together um and then when I started writing my own music all of a sudden we had this freedom where he would criticize what I wrote in a good way Like critique it I should say not criticize it um and I would take it on board, and I would refine what I was writing and everything, but because it was my vision that I was working with, um and because every now and then I would tell him to go shove his critiquing. Um, and i and I didn't sort of compromise my what my vision for the song was. It took all the ego out of all the previous discussions, and we just suddenly, like i I just I don't know. It was amazing. So I, he's. I'm very lucky that he's very supportive of my writing. He's not afraid to tell me if he thinks something should be made better, which is great because a lot of my stuff on Lux is hugely um, involving of him. Um, with he's been very critical in a good way of what I've done. Um, and then regarding the mum guilt thing. Um, Occasionally he will be critical of how much time I have spent focusing on music instead of um, the family. But, um, yeah, he's he's pretty good uh, with all of it. I think most of the time the criticism comes from other family members or um, other musos really that sort of don't handle my uh, directness, I think, and my, my singularity of focus, which I think, it It is a bad thing sometimes. Um, I think my uh, blinkers on with my family for a while, it definitely couldn't have endured forever. But I think I've been very lucky that I've been allowed to have um, a season where my um, they've just let me ride the create. Talking
0: about how you cop flack from people, about your style, I suppose, and your decisions, when you got that feedback, does that drive you and make you? Discord? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so one of my songs um, on my debut album, Umra Anima, is entirely written because of that. Um, it's called Empty Room. And uh, I think it was it was written in direct response to two people. Um, I'm not going to name them because I don't think it's very nice of me. But um it was not. basically a big FU to to some people that um, had criticised uh, the way that I taught my performing arts students. Um, people that criticised the way that I was so um, uncompromising on certain things, um, and they they actually saw that as a real character flaw rather than a a positive thing as far as being disciplined and staying the course towards what you actually were trying to achieve um I think there are streams where it does become a bad thing but I don't think um like I look at what I've achieved with um with my my performing arts students and also with my music um for such a like I've never had a grant paid to me I've never had any sort of um funding support from a label or anything like that um, and I've still produced four albums um, and been nominated for awards and won some awards and that sort of thing. So I think, I think considering all of that, I think I've done what I needed to do to do that and I don't think that I've lost um, anything along the way despite obviously upsetting a few people here and there that felt a bit threatened by it. Um yeah, so that that song that definitely um, inspires me to to write. Um, I wrote "Empty Room about that. I think um what are the lyrics to that song? Those little things I do, um the giving up of me just to prove to you that there's somehow sunlight breaking through, so in other words, that that, that, that whole verse is about me trying to prove to someone that I was a nice person inside um and giving up on what I actually wanted to do and needed to do in order just to prove to them that I was a nice person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just went, nah, I'm, I'm actually done with that. Like, it feels like I'm living in a cage. Screw all of you. I'm just going to do what I need to do. Um, and it took me, I actually needed to uh, work through it. It took probably a couple of days of being really, really, um, like almost on the point of breakdown, I think. I was really low from it because I really felt like it was a I took it I took it on board too much at first and I believed them at first I didn't instead of actually going hang on a minute what's your motivation for having a crack at me instead of doing that I actually took on board what they said way too much um and then I think I I think I just came to the realization that those people aren't my people um they don't get it they don't support drive and ambition and the pursuit of making something the best that it can possibly be. And they don't take feedback very well either, interestingly. So, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> so, yeah,
1: that, that was where I, that comes from. But, yeah, certainly I have been uh, inspired by that. Yeah. That's awesome. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe I need <laughs> someone to mum guilt me and then I'll write another album. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear.
0: The other big theme that I like to explore is about identity. So and I'll put in air quotes again, being more than just a mum. You you're still mm-hmm. Melissa, you're still musician, Melissa. You you have children but you you're really strong on, on maintaining your mm. own identity outside of being a mother.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um I think that comes through in the the themes of what I write as well. I um yeah, my a lot of what I've written is sort of autobiographical um which is not to say that it's all about falling in love and having your heart broken and and that sort of thing which is fine like those are those are significant moments for a lot of people and there's a reason why those sort of songs resonate with so many people um but my music um is often inspired by either just what I'm going through in the moment so um an example of that would be Vinyl Scratch on my album Lux, where I was mucking around with some jazz stuff um, and was really interested in just making a song entirely composed of jazz chords. Um, and so I started mucking around with that and I had um, a flashback of because we were in lockdown and we couldn't go anywhere and it just sort of seemed like time was just dissolving in front of us, um, I wrote... I wrote about how music was timeless in that respect, like when you listen to music, you stop worrying about how long the song goes for or or what you've what you've got going on. Um, and so that was what vinyl scratch was about. so it's not necessarily a a theme of of a tragedy or whatever, but by contrast as well, there's another song that I wrote wrote on Lux, which was a, probably the biggest song I've ever written. maybe that's the reason why I'm not. Writing a lot now. Um, it's called Umbilicus, and that was probably the most autobiographical song I've ever done. Um, it was about the death of my own mother. Um, but in a way, the lead up to her death as well. Um, she had she had brain cancer and so she was um, <clears throat> quite quite ill for years prior to dying. Um, and it was a very confusing time for me and my sister as teenagers trying to navigate being told that it was just us and it was just our attitude problems and it was just you know the reason we were finding life so hard was because we were teenagers and it wasn't because we had someone who was mentally unstable um and entirely unpredictable and quite a difficult person to be around um it wasn't anything to do with that like the outside world couldn't really um didn't know a lot of what was going on um, and so yeah that was it's quite a painful um, song it's called Umbilicus and so it's really about that connection between babies and mothers um, and I think um, it's taken it's taken me uh, I'm 39 now its ta- it took me 38 years to really be able to articulate what what happened um, because it's not just about mum dying when I was 20 it's also to do with my identity because my my own biological father died when I was five weeks old and so my whole life I've had questions I found out about that when I was 11 and it kind of just erased 11 years of childhood identity for me when I found out um, my stepdad is an amazing man um, and he was a great dad to me he's a great dad to me still but it was my identity that really just took a massive hit um when i when I learnt of that um and then of course, mum, in the years after that was very confusing to be around um, yeah, so I think having children of my own um in particular has uh informed a lot have what happened with mum has informed a lot of the way that I parent with my kids. I'm I'm unfortunately very much like my own mother, um, in a in a lot of firm ways with my kids. I hear I hear her voice coming out of me when I tell them off with various things and I think I have much less of a sense of humour these days. Um <laughs> which is very much like my mum. I think she would just would have been so bloody tired. Um that that's where that lack of sense of humour comes along. Like, my husband plays a lot better with my children than I do, um, which I, I look at and I go, yep, that's my mum <laughs> to a T. Uh, but, yeah, the, a lot of the more negative things I went through with mum <clears throat> um, definitely inform the way that I parent my kids. I, I sort of don't ever want my kids to feel confused about who they are and who I am and and what what I really think I think my mum often towed the conservative line a lot of the time just because that was what the neighbours would want her to do um and I don't think I'm like that at all so those those little retaliations against um (laughs) against what I've been through I guess uh come out and umbilicus is is a lot about like about that I sort of felt like there was a, a large level of deception going on not because mum was a liar but because cancer and brain cancer turned her into someone that she wasn't um and she did lie when she was really ill she would make up things and then remember things differently to how they actually happened and, and all sorts of really confusing stuff um and then try and tell you that you were wrong because you were only 15 and don't answer back and that sort of thing so it was it was a really It was was probably the most difficult thing that I've been through Um, and that comes out in that song.
0: Do your children come out in your songs as well?
1: a confronting thing to have to think about actually I don't know that they do a lot
0: yep.
1: um, probably because my kids are a huge source of joy for me um, and they are they are a joint project I guess as well between me and my husband and music for me is quite a selfish pursuit um, so maybe I don't Write them into my songs for that reason. I certainly dedicate all the albums to them because they they have to listen to them in the car when we're driving them to school. Like um, as I'm as I'm writing albums, I have to listen to them over and over and over again. And they've certainly been exposed to them a lot that way. But uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think I so much write my children into my songs, but I I am the person that I am. As a as a songwriter and an author lyrically, particularly um, in response to my to who I am as a mum and who my kids are, um, there's there's a song I wrote called "Boy Who Cried Wolf," um, which is quite a partly a political song, um, and it was written as part of the Me Too movement um, when all these women were suddenly coming out and saying that they had been. Uh, sexually assaulted or um, oppressed or prejudiced against because of not um, putting out or they'd, they'd just been sub- subjected to sexual abuse in their careers um, and had, had were now speaking up. And I wrote that song partly as being inspired by that movement but also... Um, also, also, probably as a as what I hope for my daughter as well. Um, it probably doesn't come across that personally in the song, but it's certainly like I hope that my daughter never actually apologizes for who she is, and never, um, never just submits because of who someone else is. I, I don't. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if it comes across that personally in the song, but yeah, that certainly I um had her in my mind when I was writing it a lot of the time.
0: Keep a secret,
1: save in silence. love to write more um more jazz uh pieces I've been listening to I'm I'm sort of in that in that calm behind the wave of creativity at the moment where I'm listening to other people's music a lot um and vocally I I think there are some areas where I still need to build a bit of strength in my voice which um yeah I've been I've been pushing it certainly singing um Singing different techniques and different types of music, so I'm really kind of focusing on all of that. So there might be some more cover um, cover work done, I think, um, if I can if I can ever play again. Um, but yeah, that may, maybe uh, maybe some more old pop um, style music. I think I've been listening to a lot of Hayley Williams um, lately, just because she's got such an epic voice, um, and trying to improve a bit of brightness at the top end of my voice, um, just listening to her and singing along with her stuff. Um, and my husband has been very accommodating and playing a few few of her songs acoustically. So we've been whiling away a bit of the time uh, musically that way. Uh, I haven't hopped on the piano for a few weeks now other than to play some classical stuff. I'm just wanting to focus a bit on my, tech, my technique. Um, so I've been playing a bit of Mozart and a bit of, um, yeah, just some classical stuff just to try and get my speed up again Mm -hmm. Um, because my fingers are actually, for a pianist, I've got quite arthritic fingers. Um, But, yeah, it's all right. We'll improve again with a bit of practice. so lovely chatting. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's given my kids an hour break from home school, which is nice as well. So, <laughs> yeah, they need it.
0: <laughs> if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please contact me at the link in the bio or send me an email at alisonnewman.net.